Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. My name is Martha Reddick, and I am your host. And this week, we are going to be talking about preschools and getting your nanny kids ready to make that jump into preschool and what it's like and all of that good stuff. And to walk us through that, I have the beautiful, wonderful, educated, and talented Jennifer Macias. Hello. Hey, so many accolades. Oh my goodness. No, but you deserve them all. Sure. Cool. Thank you. You can put quote me. I will. Um, Jennifer has been with us before. She was on the nanny parent relationship episode, but just as a brief reminder of your background, uh, tell us your background. Okay, sure. Um, I have a couple bachelor's degrees. I have a master's in early child education. Gotta catch them all. I know. It's like the Pokemons. (laughs) I don't know anything about Pokemon. You guys, I'm so old. Um, I have a master's in early child education. Um, I have experience as a nanny and also as a preschool teacher. And I'm also getting my master's in couple and family therapy. Wonderful. And that makes you highly qualified for this episode. Thanks. Wonderful. So... You have taught at a preschool. I have. And so I would love to know those things that preschool teachers wish that they could say to nannies and parents, and they can't because it's not appropriate, but you can on this podcast because I have no stock in... Sometimes we do say them just like... Right. Sometimes you need to. Yeah. Um. So for the most part, I always just try to be like very open and like chill with my parents my co-teacher is just the sweetest woman in the world but sometimes like the more um the more professional and sort of nervous she is like the higher pitched her voice (laughs) and she's so nice and she doesn't like the first time I met her I was like who is this woman with a squeaky voice um and when I like babysit for parents outside of class which happens and it's wonderful right um, and they're always like does your co-teacher always talk like that? I'm like, oh, no. It's, it's just, I think she just, like, wants to be professional and she gets nervous. Um, So I always try to be very chill. But, I mean, especially just talking to parents, Um, consistency is just the biggest key. So yes. um, when we, when parents tour our school, 
um, generally they get a printout of like what the schedule is like. So the classroom I work in is 15 to 24 months. Um, so it's the classroom right after the nursery rooms. And um, it's just this nine month period where a ton of development is happening in their tiny little brains. Um, and they're just making insane bounds yeah. of, of development. And so we have a more structured class for that reason. Um, and because it's so important um, for consistency's sake, we really try to get parents and nannies. We actually, I surprisingly don't have like any nannies that come and huh. pick up. Like it's all moms and dads, which is actually pretty impressive considering it's a, a fancy preschool right um where tuition is many dollars um, maybe that's why they don't have a nanny right um and so i mean we always make sure that parents are prepared that they understand the schedule for our age group specifically it's just like you want to wean them off passies off bottles um off sleep sacks mm-hmm. um because when we take naps at school um we we don't use any of those things because in the older toddler classroom they don't use those things and right. for the most part they spend the least amount of time in our classroom um because the developmental differences are so great um between being an infant and a, a two-year-old um so in that period for between 15 and 24 months like so much development is happening that our main goal is also to get them ready to be in the two-year-old room. Yeah. Um, which means, like, you know, being a little more independent. Um, and so it always, like, blows my mind when parents are so floored, for instance. Like, we teach the kids to take off their own shoes before mm-hmm. before lunch and nap. Um, and they get the hang of it themselves within, I would say, like, three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then parents are always so surprised when they when we tell them, like, yeah, they took their shoes out by themselves, we took nap. And they're like, wait, they can do that? <laughs> like, I think parents tend to not necessarily underestimate what their kid can do, but they don't see how their child behaves at school. Right. Um, and so we always communicate with parents with what we have. They're called daily seeds. Mm-hmm. And so you just write down what your kid is, the child has done that day. Um but we also give parents like a really detailed report like this is you know like what we're working on today like so we teach sign language we have them use their words practice with utensils sitting at the table Um, do you use uh glass cups um we don't so they the kids have their own sippy cups for water um we give them water literally 10 times a day (laughs) um because they sweat a lot in their tiny little bodies um, but we do use like open metal cups, like mm-hmm. little baby metal cups for milk at lunch um, or soy milk for the kids who don't drink dairy. Um, and so that's another that was, we had a couple of kids. It was a huge struggle for them was drinking out of the cup. Yeah. Um, and so that's always something that we tell parents to work on. And honestly, it takes, in my experience, um, it takes about two weeks. It's two weeks of like fighting and then being grumpy and not having milk. And then all of a sudden one day they just pick up at the cup and they're in it to win it and that's it and they're on the cup and no more sippies um so really for us consistency is really important um and sort of trying to adhere to the schedule that we have especially for naps um when the kid is like on vacation or staying home some days um because it really or on weekends especially on weekends because it does it they have a really hard time sort of adjusting um to nap time and um, when it's every weekend, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> yeah. then you're fighting it Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. And, then <laughs> and it is. And it's 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 tough because there are, you know, nine other kids who are also trying to nap. Um, so we just try to be really consistent and we always communicate with parents. And um, my co-teacher and I always talk about, like, is there anything that you guys do at home that you want us to do here or vice versa? Um, so we can always just be on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, after all of that rambling, I would just say <laughs> consistency really is key and just being communicative and making sure that, um, you know, the things that we, we talk about, they're, they're important. So like practicing sign language and using their words and sharing, um, all of that is stuff that really needs to go on at home too. Right. Yes. Because these are things that aren't going to go away. Like right. once I leave preschool, these are life skills. Basically, yes. we're teaching these tiny people how to be humans. Right. And and they're useful if you do practice them at home. They're useful to continue that and their skills that they can use at home. Sharing mm -hmm. is a huge skill to use at home, even if they're an only child. Yep. Sharing with your nanny or your mm -hmm. parent. parent is huge. Yeah, we have. We had a situation where we did have an only child and he like would just snatch toys from friends and mm -hmm. it was just, and so we always talked about that and mom was like, so what can we do? And we were like, practice sharing at home. And she was like, I'm not a kid. And we were like, you can still practice. We understand that. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, yeah, you can definitely still practice though. Like that, that sharing is caring mentality is, is really important. Yes. Yeah. I completely agree. Um, <laughs> the, one of the reasons that I asked about the glass cups is, uh, some kids that I have nannied for go to a Montessori school mm -hmm. and in the Montessori school their their philosophy is that kids when they work with things that are breakable will learn to treat them like things that are mm -hmm. breakable and they've broken some cups but all of those kids can handle at you know two three years of age they can 100 mm percent -hmm. handle drinking out of a glass cup Absolutely. and knowing that it's important to not drop it and that's also a huge philosophy in the reggio Emilia approach um, which is very arts-based and um, child-driven and child-directed but it's a very similar approach that children will learn from the mistakes and it also teaches them accountability. Yes. Which is, I mean, it's important, especially in this day and age where kids are going to these private preschools and they come from really affluent neighborhoods that they mm -hmm. need to learn personal accountability. And I think that's really important that a lot of our parents, and I'm so proud to say that all of our parents really, really instill those values. I had one, one kid who was just the most polite child. And his dad was like, he was like, I mean, we talked about qualities that we wanted to instill. And it was really being a polite, like helpful citizen. Right. And those are just so refreshing values. Yes. 100%. For Nanny specifically, I definitely think it's about um, just trying to foster a little more independence and adhere to a schedule. Um, and then just kind of develop things like sharing and um, like practicing that sign language or practicing using certain words. Um, like saying please and thank you. I've also found... Uh, teaching kids to clean up after themselves oh. seems to pay off <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, in playdates as well as at preschool. And playdates are a really, really good way to get kids transitioned into being in preschool because it helps socialize them. And I think right. um, one of the biggest aims of preschool is really helping kids to socialize. Mm -hmm. And so if they are only kids um, who don't have siblings and they have a nanny, they're really used to intense one-on-one -on -one interaction. And yes. that's not... Um, really available in a preschool <laughs> because it's usually two teachers and 10 kids and it's a crazy ratio and so it is um it is really hard to get a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with each student and so really play dates but teaching them to clean up is great and what I usually do is we just give like time limits like in two minutes we're gonna clean up friends mm -hmm. um and then we'll count down like five four three two one and then we all yell clean up and then we all clean <laughs> Um, and sometimes you sing the cleanup song and right. that like just making it like just another activity makes yes. it really, really fun for them. So helping to clean up is really that's a huge, important one. 
Um, and then for nannies too, um, helping kids transition into preschool, um, just talking to them about it. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you're going to start school soon and you're going to make new friends and you're going to have teachers and you're going to do art projects and read books um, and really just kind of, <clears throat> sorry, preparing them mentally for, for what's about to happen so they sort of know. Yeah. Um, sometimes doing a dry run, like if you're the nanny who's going to be like walking them to school, like go for a walk one day and walk past the school and be like, this is where you're going to be. Um, and it really helps them sort of realize what's happening and so they're not completely unprepared for it. That's great advice. Thank you. What are, so have you dealt with kids who have killer separation anxiety? Yes. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Yes, I would think so. Because I've dealt with it as a nanny Mm -hmm. and I can only imagine how much the stakes are upped when it's not only am I getting dropped off in another place because as a nanny you're arriving in their home Mm -hmm. and the parents are leaving but if it's I'm going to a new building that I've never been in before getting dropped off and who knows what's gonna happen Mm -hmm. um I can only imagine that separation anxiety gets much worse yeah um so the best thing that we recommend for parents is to the drop and go Um, there are a lot of times we have parents who like feel bad that their kid is upset and so they linger and that really makes it worse because the longer that they're in the room with a parent and not being held by that parent the more upset they're going to get right and so like we've had we have had to talk to parents about this but we just say you know you do the drop and go you come in so every morning our parents fill out what's called the seed and so it's just um, the kid's name what time they were dropped off what time they'll be picked up Um, And then information about their morning, like how did they sleep? What time did they Mm. wake up? What is their mood? What's the last time they ate? Um, And then any notes, like if they have a diaper rash. Um, So generally we have parents fill out the seed and then just say, okay, I love you. I'll see you later. Bye. And then out the door. Right. Because we have parents who linger and it's just like there are times we have to say like, okay, you have to go. And it is the worst feeling in the world for a teacher to tell a parent like, can you scram? (laughs) Um, And most parents know that like, oh God, I'm making it worse and they'll leave. Um, But yeah, that's the one advice I have. And as a nanny, that was really hard for me because (laughs) Um, And I think this is hard for parents, too, is that when they get to school, some kids are just like, all right, later, losers. And they immediately, like, hit the books or the toys or the play area. um, And that's it. And they don't care if mom and dad are leaving. And they're just, like, kind of like, okay, you're not even saying goodbye. Love you. Um, (laughs) So separation anxiety on the other end. On the other end. Like, I felt that way as a nanny sometimes where I'd be like whatever dude bye um but there were also days where he wouldn't want me to leave and I would have to like pull him off my leg and hand him to a teacher and be like okay buddy I'll see you tomorrow um and that's either way is kind of difficult um but we really do say just drop and go and if a kid doesn't like isn't making a fuss that you're leaving then sneak out of there right um we had one mom who was like I think it would just kind of hurt her that her kids would be like okay later um, and so she would like try to like stop them from what they were doing and be like, okay, I'm leaving. And it was just like, you're just trying to get him worked up and that's not good. Right. Um, so the drop and go is definitely the, the way to do it. Like convey what information you need to, to a teacher, 
um, about their morning. Um, in my instance, a lot of the times too, I would sort of like convey information between parents and teachers as the nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of like, say what you need to say, handle your business and say bye and, and leave. Right. And that makes it the easiest. And then drop-offs get easier as time goes on and eventually. And as you develop the routine, because that's mm-hmm. another thing with uh, separation anxiety in particular is that routine of dropping off is really important. So if you're working with a child who has separation anxiety or you're seeing it start to develop as changes happen Mm because it always gets worse when there are big changes in their life Mm -hmm. is developing that routine so that they know what to expect and sticking to that routine Mm -hmm. that's a huge part of it and eventually I mean with a lot of our kids they just they get excited to come to school and Mm -hmm. so it's not a problem but you're right until that happens you really just kind of have to stick to your guns and it's it can be so hard and there are definitely times there was one instance um there was a kid who had been ill and so he genuinely wasn't feeling well and mom dropped him off and he just had the worst meltdown I've ever seen and she called like 10 minutes later and he was still crying and she was like I'm gonna come and get him because I don't feel good about leaving him there and it's a case-by-case basis it really depends but like if a kid isn't feeling well or it's really that like 10 minutes later and they're still melting down um there might be something else afoot sometimes they're getting sick sometimes they don't feel well um Or there are bigger issues. I've talked about on the show before. Mm -hmm. There was one child that had terrible separation anxiety that I was only with one day a week. But um, it turns out that his his parents were in therapy for their marriage. And so I think that it was that coming Mm -hmm. to light. Uh, through separation anxiety and kids I mean they're a lot more intuitive than you think and they can pick up Mm -hmm. on those things and that's true too Um, and so really like every family kind of has to assess like what is and isn't normal for their child but for the most part literally two seconds after a parent leaves the kid is fine (laughs) right Um, there was there was one drop-off and this kid normally has great drop-offs and he was like whining and making a ruckus and the second his parents left he turned around he went and I was like don't even play like he was literally just like whooping up a storm and his parents left and he was like hi and I was like you're such a turn ready to play yeah um so I mean literally most of the time they're totally fine afterwards and if a kid does have a rough drop off I will make sure to like text a photo or like just text the parents and let them know like hey we're doing great now just to make them feel a little better right and I as a nanny that is key I Mm -hmm. think in developing that trust with the parents Mm -hmm. of you're not leaving them with me crying all afternoon (laughs) promise literally they stop crying Mm -hmm. two minutes after you leave we're having fun Mm -hmm. all as well and I feel like a lot of the times nannies I have worked in a um at a different school with nannies and they like they know the drill like they know what's up they're not fooled by it (laughs) um and so it is a little bit easier um as a teacher to like talk with a nanny because they they know <laughs> right yes where whereas a parent might be swayed by a tantrum mm-hmm. I often am like cry it out yeah. have feel have, your feelings bro yeah, feel they're legitimate but mm-hmm. I'm not changing my stance yep because you are having a tantrum um and in fact I usually have I usually will teach my kids that I nanny the word tantrum and so they get to the point where I say do you know what you're doing right now and they'll go throwing a tantrum (laughs) (laughs) 
And I will say, has that ever worked with me? No. And I'll say, let's try a different tactic. And they usually do try and sometimes it's successful and sometimes it's not. But I find naming tantrums to them, teaching them that vocabulary word, super helpful in ending tantrums. It's probably more effective than my method when they usually say hot mess or struggle bus. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's that's actually a good call. I should probably (laughs) incorporate that into my work. Whatever vocabulary. Vocabulary yeah. you want to teach them. But. I mean, a lot of the times we just say we don't cry for what we want. Like you need to right. be all done tears. Yep. Um, and we say use your words. Yes, use um, your words is huge. And my my other huge one is, do we cry to get what we want? Does that work? And they usually <laughs> go, no. It's yep. Like, all right. Sign me what you need. I accidentally have said use your words to my dog before. <laughs> Um, I talk to my cats and I say, no, thank you. I don't like that. That is not for your body. So, I mean, I I did that. I did that to my roommate once. He was like trying to do something to my cat that my cat didn't. I think he was just like petting him roughly. And I like saw it happening and I literally went, roommate. And he like stopped. He's like, did you just teach your voice me? I was like, I did. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But you were doing something <laughs> but bad. But you were being, you, I know, thank you. I don't like that. <laughs> he used to use that one when he had been drinking. He'd be like, no, thank you. I don't like that. Like, because oh, he just thought so it was, funny. he thought it was hysterical. Yes. Um, I and I use that. that if I'm out and about and a dude is doing things that I don't appreciate. I'm like, no, thank you. I don't like that. You are all done. <laughs> so, I mean, the verbiage carries. My body, my choice. Yeah, exactly. That is not for your hands. Right. <laughs> um, great. Before we get too off yes. topic. So um, what do you wish that kids knew when they walked into your classroom that nannies or parents can help set those kids up for success? Um, that preschool is so fun. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you literally play all day and you read books and you sing songs and you eat and you sleep and then you play outside. Um, so literally we just try to get parents to say like, it's going to be fun. It's going to be okay. And I promise we are coming back. I yes. think kids biggest worry is like, oh my God, they're not going to be here. Right. Um, that's the biggest thing. And yeah. like, it's, it's going to be fun. I promise. Yeah. You're going to be okay. (laughs) Right. And I do agree with what you said earlier about talking to them about preschool way ahead of time because you you have to sign up for preschool so far ahead of time. You know that they're going to be going into it. So talking to them about it, answering questions so that they have all their questions answered or or the questions that are coming up in that moment, maybe not Mm -hmm. all of them, but answering those questions and just having conversations about it is huge. Yeah. And letting them know like – it's okay it's something they can talk about I think the biggest problem that kids have when they're going to preschool um at any age is that they feel like this isn't their choice Mm -hmm. and they don't have control and there is that um like autonomy versus um sort of like dependence thing that kids go through at a certain developmental stages and you just have to do your best to honor honor their autonomy by answering their questions I mean obviously they can't like choose whether or not they go to preschool right but parents can definitely at least let the kids feel um their feelings like their feelings (laughs) but also that like you know they have opinions that are valid right yes and giving them I have found giving them choices before drop off so do you want to put on your coat Mm -hmm. inside or outside you know like things like that depending on how bad the winter is absolutely no and that's that's a really good thing I mean that was something that as a nanny I really had to (laughs) bargaining was a huge tool Mm -hmm. for me with my nanny bug 
um, because there were days where he wanted me to do it. There were days that he wanted to do it himself. There were days where he didn't want any of it. And so it was really like, do you want to do this? You want me to do this? Right. Um, and he would pick one. And on the days where he would get really upset and I was like, all right, you can do this or I can do it. But if I do it, you're not going to be pleased. Right. And so they were like, oh, just kidding. Um, (laughs) but yeah, yeah. as long as they know that like preschool is fun and they're going to have a great time and that mom and dad will be back. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest tip. Yes. Um, what is a typical day? You've kind of touched on it, but what does a typical day in your classroom look like? Um, so I'm in the, I said this before, I'm in the fifth, what am I, 15 to 24 month room. <laughs> Sorry, forgot about that. Um, so our school opens at seven and we close at six and our drop-offs, um, I, I mean like most parents can like drop off whenever they're ready, but usually our latest drop-off is at nine and our earliest drop-off can be like right at seven on the dot. Right. Um, so to, I use, when I open the classroom, I usually get there pretty early to have everything set up. So when the kids get there, I'm like ready to roll. Um, so generally in the morning it's free play, um, and like morning diapers. Mm-hmm. Um, and the school I work at, we use cloth diapers. So we have to build in a little more time for that cause they yeah. take a little longer. Um, so between seven and nine, it's free play and diapers, um, from around like nine to nine fifteen, we usually do circle time, um, or an art activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and circle time happens every day at nine o'clock. Um, and we sing the ABCs and we count and we, you know, read books and we work on, um, we usually have vocabulary for the week. So we always have a lesson plan for the week right. that consists of vocabulary, a book of the week, a sign of the week and a song of the week. And so we do all that stuff. Um, and then usually between 9.15 and 9.30 is usually art. Um, always there's some sort of themed art project happening and they're <laughs> always so fun. Um, 9.30 to 10 is snack. And then we have gross motor depending on like the weather. It can be an hour or it can be a half an hour. Uh-huh. Um, and then after that is more free play or another activity depending on how rowdy the kids get on the days right. where they're a little squirrely. Um, we try to have more structure in the day so we can eliminate their accidents always happen. You know, mm-hmm. kids bonking heads. And I mean, obviously they're at that age where they bite one another and fight over toys. And right. so that's a whole... Parents don't feel bad if your kid bites somebody. It is totally <laughs> normal and it is scary, but I promise no one is blaming anybody. <laughs> yes. That's the the one thing I feel so bad about is parents feel so bad. And it's like, is my kid going to get kicked out of preschool? And I'm like, no, no, no. Only if it happens a lot. But generally, right. no. <laughs> um, so we try to have some structure. We have lunch at 1130 um, until noon. And then, oh, we also have, sorry, I keep forgetting That's about okay. things. Um so after gross motor, we have some structured play and then we have music class mm-hmm. um, and our music teacher comes in and he has an instrument of the week um, oh, and awesome. it is so fun. They love music. The kids love to dance. Um, he has an accordion that is like his standby that he always brings. And then there's like a guest, he calls it a guest instrument. That's Aww. what it is. Um, and then the kids all get a chance to play. Like every kid gets a chance to strum a guitar or I don't know, do the spoons um, or play the accordion. Um, and then we have lunch, we have nap. Nap usually lasts from about like 12 to three. We mm-hmm. have some pretty rockin' nappers. Um, nap time is always really, <laughs> it's always really hectic cause it's two adults trying to put down 10 toddlers. Right. Um, some kids fall asleep on their own and that's where communication comes in handy with nanny and with parents. Um, it's just like who gets patted down, who's sleep training, who, yes, needs, who needs what for nap time. Right. Um, and then the afternoon again is just gross motor, Spanish. Spanish is a huge hit. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's most it's all learning Spanish through song and the kids get really into it and they dance and it's just so <laughs> so Cute. much fun. Yeah, it's adorable. Um and then usually around the end of the day, we have afternoon snack. We have afternoon gross motor. Um, diapers happen all throughout the day, right. basically. Oh God. Every two hours, we change diapers. Um, and then pickups usually start anywhere from like 3.30 to 4. Mm-hmm. And then period, I mean, just gradually the kids trickle out um, between 4 and 6. And that's a day. So it is a lot of structure. Um, in the older toddler classrooms, it's a little more, there's more free play mm-hmm. um, because the kids are at the age where a, they do play together. Right. Um, and then they just want to explore all sorts of stuff. And so we give them the space to do that. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a really long day, but. It's such a long It is. I mean, we have some kids who get there at like 730 and leave at 540. Technically, our last pickup is 545. Um, right. But. I, I now understand why you don't have nannies because <laughs> you are the nannies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and that's, God, that blows my mind. There was one day I was like sitting there and the kids were eating snack and I looked at my co-teacher and I was like, we spend more time with these kids than their parents do. And she just looked at me like, duh. <laughs> um, but we really do. Like we see these kids more than their parents do. And that's crazy. And that's, um, it's a big responsibility when yeah. you think about it. And it also... That responsibility, what makes it easier on us is having parents and nannies cooperate with the things that we're, we're sort of trying to teach um, yeah, in life for these kids. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is a really long day. And now that I think about it, it's, it's a real long Cause day. Because that's, I mean, that's my nanny schedule when the kids aren't in school is 7.30 to 5.30. Yeah. So yeah, that's a very long day. It doesn't play. And yeah, for the kids who are there, like for most of that day, it is... They're the ones who get really sad, like around pickups, like around 530, they start to get like really sensitive and really upset because Mm -hmm. all their friends are leaving and that's that's tough. Yeah, that is tough. But it's nice that they're getting sad over their friends leaving Mm because it means... They do. Oh my God, they all love each other so much. There's hand holding and kissing and lots of hugs and it is just a room of love and it is really nice. It's my favorite thing when they all hug each other. There are a lot of bromances. There are two little boys who were in the nursery together. And they um, came into our classroom at the same time, and they just love each other so much. <laughs> um, like one kid, um, like they call each other their own name because they hear it so much from that person. They're like, "Oh, we have the same, name-ish. we're the same person, right?" <laughs> um, yeah, it's that's it's adorable. The best. It's the best. <laughs> um, any book recommendations? Mm-hmm. Um, the books that I really recommend for parents are. The Little Blue Truck series, mm-hmm. um, How Does a Dinosaur, whatever, thing. yeah, like How Does a Dinosaur Say Goodnight is my jam, and I have that book memorized, because I have read it one million times, approximately, <laughs> um, and the Llama Llama books, all mm-hmm. of those books are, the kids love them, and they're really fun to read, I do all of the voices and the weird sound effects, um, but they also, like, help kids learn about things like sharing, and bedtime, and taking turns, um, using your words, Um, And so those are really, really important books to have. Any kind of book that talks about like bedtime routines. Mm -hmm. There's another book called Where's Dave? And it's like a touch and feel book. And they talk about like different types of safety around the house. Oh. Um, Like don't touch the stove because it's hot. And that's great because there was a kid in my class who actually did that at home. He like touched a hot stove. And every time we read the book Where's Dave? He would go hot and he would like touch the page and go ow. And I was like, yeah, buddy, that's hot. You learned that. And he was like, yeah. Very he serious. It the yeah, hard he way. really did learn it. Sorry, felt so bad. 
Um, but those kinds of any books that really like teach kids a thing, it's great. Um, books about blended families, about different types of families, um, body parts, like just head, shoulders, knees, and toes type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that's really, really crucial. But literally, just reading anything um, broadens a kid's a child's capacity for language astronomically right yes there's lots of studies on that there's a reading that there's a reason that reading is fundamental like it really is it helps kids develop language faster and be able to name their feelings faster Mm-hmm. um and just this is my own personal little plug the paper bag princess that Ooh, is i haven't heard of this oh it is wonderful for uh gender fighting against gender stereotypes mm. that's uh, another one yeah anything yeah. that sort of battles gender stereotypes is a huge huge plus because it starts so early and we talked about that in the male nannies episode but it starts so early where children are told that for their gender they need to behave in a certain way and so books that battle that i think Mm -hmm. are wonderful another really really great one that might not be great for toddlers but for slightly older Mm -hmm. is cinder edna it's about cinderella's next door neighbor (laughs) And she does chores and buys a bus ticket. She makes her own dress. She wears loafers to the ball. And then she marries the prince's younger brother, Rudolph, I think is his name. (laughs) And they live next door and they have a garden and their house is solar powered. And that's amazing. It's just the best book ever. I mean, any book that really teaches kids the values that, you know, parents want them to have. And like what you mentioned about gender roles. Uh, we don't play that game at our right. school. Like gender, and especially for this age group. We, I mean, up until like five, six years old, gender doesn't really exist for these kids. I mean, when you're potty training preschoolers, they literally all <laughs> stand in a line with their pants down waiting to go to the bathroom. So they all see each other's parts and they're not weirded out by it because they haven't learned to be self-conscious about their bodies. And there's mm-hmm. something like so pure and innocent that we don't want to taint that for them. So we don't make kids you know, feel uncomfortable about their bodies. If like there's one amazing child who he loves to wear the princess dresses and like, yeah, man, like you can be a princess, you can be Elsa, like this girl can be the fire chief. Like we don't play that gender game. And there was one teacher who really did that. And she would like kind of like, not like tease, but like sort of pick on like the boys that wanted to wear dresses and you know a lot of her fellow teachers like really shut that down like that's not okay you can't make kids feel self-conscious about who they feel that they are right or who they want to be for like a second a hot minute that's that's the other thing is it's like yeah they're trying on so many identities because they're figuring it out every literally all of this is new to them like they have been on this i mean like think about this like there are children who have only really been like conscious and aware for four years. Right. They're brand new to this whole human thing. And we have to let them sort of explore that. And I think that's like a, a huge thing that like as a nanny, I loved like being imaginative and being creative and creating adventures and pillow forts because they're still learning who they are and where they want to fit in this world. And if they want to fit in this world in a skirt, then let's do this. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, if they want to be a super big, you know, macho boy, that's okay, too. Yeah. That's great, too. If they are if they actually are interested in tools. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Absolutely. And, I mean, that just kind of reminded me of another thing we said, that, like, kids at this age, even as young as, like, 18 months, are asking questions about their body parts. There mm-hmm. was 
an amazing kid in my class who took swimming lessons and wanted to know what his nipples were. And he would like, he would like touch the other kid's nipples and be like, "Mm, what's that? And his parents were just up front. They're like, those are nipples. And so he would like, anytime we like had to take his shirt off to change him, he'd be like, nipples. Um, And that's like, don't like, not, and nannies, I mean, and parents both like, don't stigmatize the body. There's no reason to make it like this taboo, gross thing. Um, at any age. Right. Um, and so always using like the term, like I can't tell you how many times I've heard a toddler say penis. Right. And every time I laugh, cause it's hilarious. Cause I'm a child. Right. Um, but it's also so refreshing that they're not using some like nickname for it that sort of stigmatizes the thing itself. Yes. That is yeah. really good advice. Although as a nanny, always check with the parents because yes. they might have a different belief mm-hmm. than you do about it. So definitely that's something that you don't get to decide <laughs> as a nanny. Yeah, for sure. But in a classroom, it's different. I mm-hmm. And we always tell parents, too, like they heard this word from a friend today, just so you know, just this so you is know. where they're picking it up. <laughs> but also, you know, as a rule, as at school, we don't we don't stigmatize body parts. Right. And most parents are like, oh, yeah, no, they they know those words. <laughs> um, like hearing hearing a young child say testicles is just a life experience. That is <laughs> just that's something that not many professions <laughs> experience Um, but you're right like that's absolutely it is the parents choice and that is definitely something that like as an educator I have to be reminded of sometimes like um, my co-teacher and I often like check ourselves and check each other like should we let's run this by them first and make sure that this is cool right Um, because you definitely want to be sensitive to parental preferences Mm -hmm. because it's their child (laughs) yep their child their choice yeah um but yes I completely agree that as long as you got that okay from the parent actually using the correct terminology for body parts is the best way to go mm-hmm. and then again just scheduling consistency are really like the best ways for nannies um to help make that transition easier for the kids and for the parents because parents can also have a little anxiety about that and so nannies helping to normalize that it makes a huge difference yes i completely agree and it is very easy i think when you are the nanny to kind of get into your own schedule but that can change wildly from day to day and just being cognizant of the fact that if they are entering into preschool that adding a little bit more structure Mm -hmm. to the day of like okay in the morning we're gonna either do an activity or go to the park Mm -hmm. you know like one of those two things depending on weather and then nap happens at the same time Mm -hmm. lunch happens at the same time things like that and there's actually i didn't i didn't didn't think about this um kids that go to preschool part-time so they're either Mm -hmm. tuesday thursday or monday wednesday friday um and those days where they're not at school again it's you're right it's just about like keeping it consistent Mm -hmm. i mean and like fridays are lax days usually everyone is just all done by Fridays at the end (laughs) of the week we're all done caring not really but right everything's a little more caring about the the (laughs) The tiny little yeah yeah, the minutia um but definitely like that's a really good point like kids who are part-time at preschool just just being trying as much as you can to be consistent like obviously there are always variables having to run errands Mm -hmm. you know like things come up in life that you can't control and we completely understand that but like being as consistent as possible is basically just our biggest our biggest thing right and also asking questions I think uh Mm -hmm. either from the parents or the teachers because I know a lot of times that crossover time between teachers and nannies or parents is is so small that it can be 
difficult. Mm -hmm. But asking questions about, I think that seed that you guys do is so great. Try to make a point. So it depends on how crazy things are at the end of the day, but we definitely try to make a point to talk to every parent or nanny that comes to pick up. Um, to just say like, hey, this is what we did today. Like, here are some issues that we had or here was something awesome that happened. Um, and really just being communicative. I mean, because like since we use a cloth diapering service, um, parents have like various supplies that they need to be bringing in. Um, right. But it is. It's just about communication at that. Those transition times are kind of tricky. And especially with a nanny, because sometimes the nanny's like, I don't want to overstep my bounds. Like right. and say something on the parent's behalf. Um, and like experience from being in that position I always like text a mom or dad and say hey is there anything that like I need to let the school know or anything that you need to know um and just kind of acting like a liaison between the parents Mm -hmm. and the school sometimes a really helpful thing for nannies to do but also just knowing what the routine is to Mm -hmm. keep with it if you are in a situation where the kids are going to preschool Monday Wednesday Friday things like that Mm -hmm. that knowing what time they nap is important to find out (laughs) we also have um so we print out schedules of what their meals and snacks are going to be so Mm -hmm. they have a morning snack a lunch and afternoon snack and then go home pretzels (laughs) um yeah it's pretzels every time um so at the end of the day around like five o'clock we do pretzels at the end of the day and it's i mean it is a very important part of the day like if a kid gets picked up before pretzels they want to wait to get their pretzels it is serious business they're very cute it's um, like a Pavlovian. It is. They know what time it happens. And um, we have the, our lady that, um, they call the kids call her the snack teacher. But whenever she comes into our room and they know what's happening, it's just, it, there's no trying to get them to focus on anything else. Right. Um, but we also have, so we have schedules of like what the lunches and snacks are going to be. And that's another thing. Like if you as a nanny know like, okay, they don't really like this lunch or the snack, making sure that you communicate that and say like, Hey, I have these other things. And we always allow parents to bring in outside food. Like if they, if they know that their kid is going to have trouble eating something or that they won't like it, you know, always making sure that we're aware of that. So we can provide them another option. Yeah. It's always really important. That's great. Well, now it is the time, story time. (laughs) Um, Did you bring a story for us? I feel like I have so many stories. Um, Most of my stories about just like the weird things that kids say Mm -hmm. um, in like the most casual tones that just kill me. (laughs) Um, There was one kid in my class who, um, I don't think he had even turned two yet, but he was just a very conversational child. And every time I walked in the the classroom, he'd be like, hi, Jen. And be like, what's up, buddy? <laughs> and then some days he'd just go, hey, Jen, do you like pizza? I was like, yeah, buddy, I do. Um, but kids saying, like, just being excited to see you is the best. Um, when I started graduate school, I started subbing. Um, and I walked into a classroom one day, and a kid that was in my toddler room had transitioned to the older toddler rooms, and I was subbing in that class. And I walked in the door, and he literally turned around from eating a snack, and he goes, Hi, Jen. Welcome back. And I was like, hi, buddy. Um, so that's just the best thing ever. It's just like when kids are excited to see you. Um, yes. It also feels really great when kids are excited to see you and their parents see that. So they know the kid mm-hmm. isn't like freaking out. Um, and then just one instance where a, a child told another child, no one likes you. Um, <laughs> because he heard a teacher say, hey, buddy, no one likes that. When this child is like taking books from his friends and banging them on the table. Um, so just kids parroting things that you say in just the completely worst way is just <laughs> awful. Yes, they are little mirrors. Yeah. And I've heard one of one of the kids that I nanny, their microwave goes off so quickly. Like it'll beep and then 
not even 10 seconds later it'll beep again faster and so i'm like okay microwave we hear you when we're like off Mm -hmm. doing something else and (laughs) to hear the kid say that is so funny Mm -hmm. because it happened and he goes okay microwave we hear you (laughs) yeah Oh my um, my thing, too, that I do all the time, I always call kids bro. I'm like, bro, no, thank you. <laughs> um, and so that is that was definitely like part of the the language in my class is like, no, bro. And I was like, oh, God, I got to stop this. Um, or saying, what's up, baby? And there was this, oh, my God, this little girl. Her parents were on vacation and her grandparents were staying with her and she called her grandpa baby. She was like, what's up? baby and I was like, sir, I am so sorry. I that's on me. That's on me. Um. But for the most part, luckily, thankfully, our parents think it's funny. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So lots of lots of bros. Yeah. But just Kissing that bro. they are the little parrots, mm-hmm. but through the weirdest filter that you can never predict. <laughs> that's 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 a good way to put it. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. I will see you next week. The Chronicles of Nanny is produced by Martha Reddick and Logan Nielsen. Artwork and logo by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nanny and on Twitter at Nannia Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnannia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.